You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. Just to recap on this morning, we asked a number of questions of the passage before us in those first three verses of Jonah chapter 1. Who was Jonah? And we discovered that he was an experienced prophet. He wasn't a novice. He wasn't an apprentice uh, prophet. He wasn't new to this work, but he was uh, established and he had experience. Uh, uh, Then we asked, when did he live? And uh, that placed in context in the history of the nation of Israel that he came uh, onto the scene about 150 years after the death of King Solomon. Then we asked, what was he called to do? And uh, he was called to go to Nineveh and to preach against it. And we looked at how the word of God came to Jonah. And then what did he do with the call that was given out to him? Well, he disobeyed. That's basically, in a few sentences, what we looked at this morning. Jonah's response to God's call to go to Nineveh was to decide to go in the opposite direction to a place called Tarshish, which is modern-day Spain. We're told he went to Joppa, he found a ship, he paid the fare, and he set sail. Uh, And it says there, to flee from the Lord. It seems so simple, doesn't it, to read that Jonah ran away from the Lord. That's the way it puts it in the NIV. Jonah ran away from the Lord. Now, we expect that because we know the story. We've read the story. We're familiar with the story. And and yet, isn't it staggering? Absolutely staggering. Here was a believer. Here's someone who knew the Lord for many years. Not only that, he's a prophet. He has been singled out by God, called by God to forth tell the word of God. That's what prophecy means. It's to forth tell as well as foretell. It's to tell forth the word of God. So he's been set aside for this, and yet he's, he's completely disobeyed God. He's running away from God. Now, and not only did he know he was being disobedient, he also knew that he couldn't escape the omnipresence of God. He knew the living God was everywhere present because here's here's a man who was familiar with the words that we read there from Psalm 139. This is a lovely psalm that speaks of the omnipresence of God. You know, those verses we read at the beginning of the service, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle in the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. There is nowhere, the psalmist is saying, that you can go to get away from the presence of God. And and Jonah knew that, and yet still he goes. He ran away from God. And, And isn't this... Isn't this one of the great attributes of God? I remember doing a, a series on the attributes of God. And, uh, you know, it's the things that make God, God. And, and it was one of the, 
I think I, I, it was one of the hardest series I, f- I found to prepare and one of the best I found to preach. I, I don't mean that it was any good to listen to. I mean it was the best to preach. I enjoyed preaching it because it was completely centered in God. It was all about God and who he is. And, and, and these, th- this is a great attribute of God, that God is everywhere present. And God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Not only is he everywhere, but he sees everything and he knows everything. And now that, that, uh, that fact of who God is and the fact that he is holy and the fact that he hates sin, and, and that truth surely ought to grip our hearts this evening. This is the God with whom we have to do. He's a great God. And, and the thing I find absolutely amazing is he knows everything about me. I mean everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And believe me, the good part of it is a very, very small part. And still, he loves me. I, I find that amazing. He loves me in spite of that. To, to anyone here this evening who's an unbeliever, though you're not trusting in the Lord, you know that he exists. And you know that he is coming again. And you know what he's coming to do when he comes again. He's coming to judge the living and the dead. Just think about that. When the Lord returns, think over just this past week what your eyes have seen. And apply that to believers as well, what your ears have heard, where your feet have taken you, what your hands have done, the thoughts that have gone through your head, all in full view of a God whose eyes are purer than to behold iniquity. Think even just of today, how you've lived today in the Lord's day. You know, when I was driving here tonight, uh, coming up from uh, the roundabout this side of the band bridge, coming up past the jet center. Huge car park there in the jet center. Absolutely huge. I couldn't see an empty space in it. It was completely bunged. And you could hardly get an evening service in the town of Coleraine on a Sunday evening. Surely, surely that's that says something about our society, doesn't it? Or believer, let me ask you to let this truth of the omnipresence of God challenge you as well, as it challenges me. One commentator has said this, by fleeing to Tarshish in the West, he, Jonah, hoped to make it impossible to serve God as his prophet as his official minister in the Far East. The general principle is, and this applies as much to Christians today as it did to Jonah so long ago, that when someone turns away from the will of God for his life, then he's willfully putting self out of God's presence and denying himself the blessing which goes with willing obedience. That's a pretty dangerous place to be, isn't it? 
Our sins, in other words, put us outside of the favor and blessing of God. God's way of blessing for Jonah was in the east, in Nineveh. But Jonah went west and into trouble. And this east-west distinction highlights the radical difference between God's way and man's way. Tell me, are you in the way of blessing? That is, are you in the way of obedience this evening? It's possible even for the Christian to be in the path of disobedience. Well, why did Jonah run away? No doubt, no doubt he evaded the clear will of God for a specific reason. And many reasons have been suggested, and I want to look at some of those possible reasons and see how they stand up to examination. We, we could use as a reason for him disobeying God the fear of the difficulties that he would face. We saw this morning that Nineveh was a great city. It was renowned for its wickedness. And here was the capital of the empire that was the greatest threat to Israel's independency. And, and perhaps Jonah had great doubts about the success of such a mission. Probably every Christian missionary at home or abroad can identify with that feeling. Will they listen? How will they respond? Maybe, maybe some of the people that stood up here just a few minutes ago, those are the kind of questions that are going through your head. As you go to meet people that you've never met before, some of you to a completely alien uh, kind of surroundings. You know, will we be able to communicate effectively? And, and if we are able to communicate effectively, how will it be received? Every Christian can identify with that. How, how would you feel if, if God was, was calling you, say, to, uh, I don't know, um, Tehran, the capital of Iran? to go and be his voice there. You'd be terrified. I know I would. Or to Moscow, or to Saudi Arabia, or to North Korea, or to Rathkul, or to, to the Falls Road. Perhaps, as John Calvin suggested, Jonah feared the hostility of the Ninevites. Many as a missionary has faced great danger in the mission field. We're all familiar, aren't we, with Maud Kells from Cookstown. And she was shot, an old lady serving the Lord in Africa. And she was shot, but lived to tell the tale. We can appreciate surely the temptation to flee the anticipated dangers. And yet the simple fact is that the scripture doesn't tell us that Jonah was afraid for his life. Indeed, it tells us the opposite is true. If you look at verse 12 of chapter 1, what does Jonah say there? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. So here's a man, he's not afraid to die. There's a raging storm going on around him. The sailors in the ship, they're terrified. And so 
Jonah says, pick me up and toss me over the side. Or look at chapter 4 and verse 8, where he says, uh, you know, he's sitting under the sun here. The sun rose. God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed in Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. So he's not afraid of dying. Here's another reason that might be used. The, The novelty of the mission. Nineveh was a heathen city. Maybe, maybe it seemed ludicrous for Jonah to go to the heathen. And that's not uh, an unusual thing uh, in the New Testament. There was problems about going to groups, people groups that had never been reached. The apostle Peter, you remember, needed a vision to convince him to go to the Gentiles. In Acts 10 and verse 17, it's recorded for us. Even in our uh, missionary-minded days, there are examples that could be cited of, of areas and people that are neglected as far as the work of the gospel is concerned. You know, when the modern missionary movement began, the thought of missionaries going to the heathen, and that's how they were described, those who are outside of Christendom, was, was laughed at. You know, when a certain missionary offered himself to go abroad, he was told by by his denomination, look, when God wants to convert the heathen, he'll not use the likes of you. That's that's only a couple of hundred years ago. And, And there have been people groups that have been missed with the gospel. Muslims, for centuries, were ignored by missionaries. Well, not all... One or two tried to work amongst Muslims. But, but the, the work of the church, broadly speaking, ignored them. We can bring it far, far closer to home, can't we? Can't we? There's a large proportion of our, of our province unreached with the gospel, the Roman Catholic population. Why is that? Why are they unreached? Surely it's because those who have the gospel have not gone out to share it with them. We have looked at, well, they have their own religion. And, and we've, we've abandoned them. That, that's the reality. We, in the Protestant denomination, in the, in the Protestant makeup of this province, we have had the gospel for hundreds of years. And what have we done with it? We've shared it with our fellow Protestants, with our heathen Protestants, and largely ignored the Roman Catholic population. Now, now that's been broken down a bit in recent years, but for years, that was the case. That was the case. So, there's a novelty, the novelty of the mission. There's, there's certainly a ring of truth to the idea that, that anti-Gentile prejudice could have influenced Jonah. But again, we have no conclusive proof in the Scriptures themselves. Here's another reason could be given. 
the severity of the message. What was he asked to do? To go and preach against it. He was to go and preach judgment. And maybe it was the fact that it, that it was a message of judgment that hindered Jonah. The law of God and the consequences of breaking it, both in, times, and both in time and eternity, are not popular subjects for godless people. They're not, even in the best of times. And the result of that is that preachers are often tempted to soft-pedal on the hard sayings of the Bible. The truth is, however, that the terrors of the law have their place in relation to the entreaties and promises of the gospel. We need both this gospel of sovereign grace. And there's no evidence in Scripture of God's servants or God's Son ever failing to include both in a balanced way in preaching God's message. The Lord Jesus himself talked about hell as well as heaven. He talked about inviting people to follow him and, and be with him for all eternity. He was going to prepare a place for them. But he also warned them that if they didn't, there was a place where there was weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth for all eternity. And Jonah also, there's no evidence of squeamishness about the, the content of the message that God had given him to Nineveh. So there's three kind of reasons that might have been used, but but I want to look fourthly at what I believe is the real reason why Jonah ran away. And it was because of God's abounding love. Because of God's abounding love. We have the real reason given to us why Jonah ran away. It was the fact that God intended to be gracious to heathen Nineveh. After Nineveh repented, Jonah said to the Lord, turn with me, to chapter 4 and verse 2. Verse 2, this is Jonah praying. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. So here we have the reason why he flew, why he ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now think about that. You know, Jonah had no real problem with the severity of the message. He had no real problem with the novelty of the mission, nor the difficulties of preaching to an unsympathetic audience. His real problem was that God might bring these people to repentance. Jonah's theology didn't leave much room for the salvation of these Gentiles. I wonder, is that something to say in our situation? I wonder, are we selective and prejudiced when it comes to talking about the grace of God? Do we limit God's grace to our tribe, to our particular people, to people who see things the way that we see them? I wonder, could we actually conceive of a situation where God, for instance, might sweep through Roman Catholic com communities in the island of of Ireland and convert them to Christ. 
wonder do we think that that is even possible? Does our theology allow that? Don't we need to deal with that, with that attitude? You know, at heart, Jonah was a sectarian bigot. He hated the Ninevites. He hated them with a passion. When you read that last chapter of Jonah, you see that he's sitting sulking because God has brought revival to Nineveh. And he's upset by that. question that confronted Jonah and confronts every one of us is whether we're going to obey God's will for our lives. Behind this claim of obedience is the deepest consideration of all, and that is the eternal plan and purpose of God. And it's as clear as a bell in Jonah's case that this was a purpose of love. It was God's plan not only to do Nineveh good, it was God's plan to do Jonah good. And, and young folk, let me just say, those of you who are going away to share the gospel with others, it's not just a matter of the good that you can bring to the people that you will meet that you don't know now. And you'll have the privilege of sharing the gospel with some of them. But it's the good that it will do you it will do you tremendous good. You're, you're going to meet people that are a completely different background from you, from a, a, the one going to Grand Canary. I thought that was great. It was the most underprivileged area of it. You know, we, we go to places like that and all we see are the lovely bits, the five-star and the four-star hotels. But behind all that, there are people living in abject poverty and ignorance, gospel ignorance. And, and people who are working with them, you who are called by God to go, whether it's to Slovenia or wherever, it's for your good. God plans to do you good through this. And I think that's, that is absolutely marvelous. Jonah was called to go to the heathen. God's purpose of love was toward the nations of the earth. And it was, it was a kind of a foretaste of what God would do when he sent his son. Because he sent his son to reach the whole world. And Jonah set his face against God's plan to be merciful to Nineveh. But God overruled. And today, the church is called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone. Everyone regardless of their background, regardless of how sinful a life they're living, to preach to them too, in order that God's eternal purpose of love may gather together his elect from all over the earth. And the people of God are called to a life of obedience and discipleship to the Lord, a life of love to God. And loving God means obeying his commands. <clears throat> Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. 
And that's the acid test. It's the easiest thing in the world to say, I love you, Lord. The evidence is, will you do what he says? Will I do what he says? But so often, men and women, isn't it true? God's commands clash with so much what passes for human wisdom. Jonah chose his own way rather than God's revealed way. And it led to shipwreck, didn't it? And we could, I could give you example after example of that happening in people's lives. When they've been faced with a choice to go God's way or go their own way, and they have chose to go their own way, and they've made shipwreck. It's sadly true that obedience to God's will is not generally regarded as a source of enjoyment or pleasure. But it is the greatest fulfillment that a human being can experience. Holiness being practically obedient to God's will from the heart to the hand is always seen in Scripture as something beautiful. Sometimes the difficulty may be in knowing what God wants us to do. But the Bible is our guide, but nowhere does it say, <clears throat> you know, thus, Eddie Kirk, this is what you're to do. It doesn't say that in my Bible, and it won't use your name either to make things easier for us. In that situation, we tend to look for open doors, don't we? We look for favorable circumstances. Well, note of caution here. And with this, I finish. Learn from Jonah. He had a clear word from God which he rejected. But he also found a set of providential circumstances which opened up the way to flee from God. He went down to Tarshish, there was, there, or to Joppa. There was a ship that was ready. He had, a, he had the money. The way was open for him to flee from God. The circumstances all came together. Matthew Henry says, the ready way is not always the right way. The ready way is not always the right way. And this is always true when we depart from God's path as Jonah did. God gave him a specific instruction. God's word was clear. And he ignored it. He, he disobeyed it. So the flight of Jonah calls us to follow the Lord. We're to learn from Jonah's mistakes. That's why Jonah wrote this down. So that generations coming after him might learn from his mistakes. The New Testament calls us to follow Jesus Christ. And calls us to flee to him, not from him. Jonah ran from God, ran from the Lord. We're to flee to him. We are to trust him as Savior. We are to obey him as our Lord. And this will be our delight and our joy. May it be so for his name's sake. Let's pray. Mm -hmm.